From the studios at WMFE in Orlando, Florida, this is the Space Exploration Podcast that asks the question, are we there yet? Hi, I'm Brendan Byrne. Abigail Harrison wants to be the first person on Mars, and she's on a mission to inspire others to help with those efforts. That's why she started the Mars Generation, a nonprofit dedicated to getting young people involved in STEM and space exploration. The group hosts various outreach events and offers scholarships for low-income students to attend space camp. Abigail Harrison, otherwise known as Astronaut Abby on social media, joins us from her home in the Twin Cities to talk about those efforts. Abby, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me today. Well, before I ask you what the Mars Generation is, I want to ask you this question. Who makes up the Mars Generation? Everyone. Everyone who's alive right now is part of the Mars generation. The idea is that we have all of these tools and capabilities right now that are enabling us to do really great things, to tackle some of the biggest and greatest problems that this generation is going to be facing. And one of those, one of those great things that we're hopefully going to be able to do is go to Mars, is to continue excellence in human space exploration by taking on this next big challenge. And in doing so, we'll be able to solve a lot of problems and improve life here on Earth as well. So really, we're all part of the Mars generation. What's the advantage of having a, a generational taxonomy or, or a generational nomenclature, right? I mean, there's there's the Apollo generation, there's the shuttle generation. I mean, what does it do to help further those efforts, as you say? I think that one of the really great advantages to having that, and I love the way you put it, a uh, Taxon, taxonomical classification or such is that it connects us and it helps everyone feel involved in this great undertaking because a lot of times it can seem like um, certain areas can get divisive. So if you're not a part of the space industry, are you actually a part of the work that's going on in accomplishing this goal? And the, the answer is that yes, because when you look back at all of the great leaps and bounds that we've made in space travel in the past, such as going to the moon, the Apollo generation, that wasn't just the people who were directly involved in making those missions happen. It was a collective effort. Um, and so that's something that as we continue to take on greater and greater challenges, these these bigger goals, such as putting humans on the surface of Mars, it's going to be even more necessary that we have everyone's support and everyone's excitement for a project like this. So we really want people to feel connected by that term. I do want to unpack on that um, in a bit, but right now I want to start with kind of tell me about what is the Mars Generation, the organization, and, and how did it come to be? The Mars Generation is a 501c3 nonprofit that I founded about three years ago, and we have two main goals. One of our goals is to uh, increase scientific literacy and also to educate people about the importance of STEM, so science, technology, engineering, and math. Really start to create a deeper understanding of why we need to be investing in and focusing on these kinds of skills. But our main goal is actually to inspire and excite young people who are pursuing careers or who have an interest in STEM fields and to be able to support them as they attempt to pursue these careers. What are some of the ways that you inspire and, and support? Something that makes us really unique and is one of our primary methods that we use to inspire and support young people is that we have fully embraced and utilized the digital 
era. We have a lot of our programming available online. Um, we curate social media channels that have over a million followers collectively. Um, and in doing so, in having these uh, primarily digitally based resources through social media, through a blog, through a lot of YouTube videos that we re release, and also um, materials that we have for teachers and things like that, we're able to affect and impact people all around the world. It's something that is really accessible and helps us to reach out to um, communities that are broader than we could reach with traditional methods of education. Um, so that's one way is through our digital network. Uh, another way is that we provide space camp scholarships to students living below the national poverty line. So over the last three years, we've sent 36 students on full paid scholarships, and that includes transportation and other incidentals. Um, to help them have these life-changing experiences. And then when they get back, we also support and encourage and guide them in creating projects that will share their experience at space camp with their communities in a hope to both instill in them a passion for outreach and for community outreach, and also to make sure that we're not just impacting the 36 students that we send and the more in the future mm -hmm. to space camp, but rather those students and their entire community, whether that be their school, their family, their sports teams, whoever it is that they choose to share this with, we really want to be able to use them as a catalyst for change and to show them how how they can have a huge impact even at a young age. Can, can you um, share an example of, of, you know, one of those students coming back and, and how they've kind of impacted the community? What, what kind of projects are they doing? Let an example that I have been intimately familiar with of a student, because not only we don't just use our space camp scholarships as an opportunity to teach students how to impact their communities. That's our that's our most um, flamboyant example of it, I guess, mm -hmm. because we're giving out these really great opportunities. Um, but it's also our most narrow project because of the expense associated with those right. um, scholarships. But we have another program called our Student Space Ambassador Leadership Program, which actually has, I want to say, about 2,000 students around the world who are a part of it. Uh, and in that, we encourage students to share with their communities their love of space and of STEM in really unique and really creative ways. And so one of those that I saw um, through the years, I've seen this young woman start to really become so confident in herself, this one example I'm giving, um, because I've seen her interact both with me and with the Mars Generation on social media and had the opportunity to meet her a couple times. But we have a student space ambassador who about a year ago was, she's so she's an artist and she's been drawing comics for years now and has been sharing them with us and a lot of times they're space-based. And about a year ago, we were in touch with her about creating a comic book and we were able to assist her in both producing it and um, she she wrote the whole thing. It's about women and uh, their history and space exploration. And then we were also able to actually um, uh, publish it. So we have, and this is one of my absolute favorite examples. Yeah. Um, this young woman, Tessa McEvoy, who... You might have seen her on Twitter. She's um, incredibly talented and used her artistic talents as a way to really tie back to STEM and to STEAM mm. uh, and is on my mind a lot because she, uh, because 
over the last couple of weeks, I've been fulfilling membership packages while I'm home. And we include one of her coloring books in each of our mm-hmm. each of our membership packages. So, Abby, it kind of goes back to something you said at the start of the conversation where everyone is connected to this kind of far off ambitious goal of going to Mars. But there's there's something for everyone in it, including a comic book artist. Right. I mean, there's there's a role for art. There's there's a role for communicators as well as scientists and engineers. That's the, is that the point you're trying to get across? Absolutely. And that's what it comes down to is that in every sphere and every field of life, of course, we're, we're incredibly interconnected and all of, these, all of these jobs and talents are important. But it's especially apparent when you look at things like space exploration and human space exploration, how incredibly necessary every single job and talent that we have is. A lot of times in space exploration, we focus only on the physicists or the engineers or the astronauts. But the truth of the matter is that it's this huge collective of people in every industry, everyone from publicists and authors and um, illustrators and lawyers and just really, honestly, every sphere of work that you could imagine has played a role and a part in the past of human space exploration and will play a part in the future of it. And so I think when we start to to look at that as a, you know, a more holistic approach to thinking about the the way that these things tie in together, it's you can see the bigger picture better. Mm-hmm. Abigail Harrison, you've been working on the Mars generation for 3 years now as kind of this um, vehicle for uh, inspiration and motivation, but what was your inspiration? What got you involved in wanting to be a part of the Mars generation and, and being involved in in this field? Oh man, <laughs> there were so many. There were really so many pivotal moments uh, in my life that inspired me and influenced me to want to give back and to want to. Um, be involved in education and outreach and especially in STEM advocacy. Over the years I had, so I, I grew up in the Twin Cities and was in public school my entire life and I had absolutely incredible teachers year after year who went above and beyond what they needed to do um, and really just poured so much care and and passion into Uh, teaching us, their students, and that really uh, rubbed off on me over the years. I think that I saw saw so many people who were so passionate about education that that was one thing that um, led me to create the Mars Generation. But another really, really pivotal moment for me was that when I was 13 years old, I actually received a scholarship to go to space camp, um, a, a partial scholarship, which was very important because my family, when I was growing up, my mom is a single mom with two kids and she was a high school teacher and economically space camp was something that was really outside of our, our range. It was something that was impossible for us to have, uh, done on our own. But with the assistance of this nonprofit in Minnesota who are called reach for the stars, I was able to go to space camp on this partial scholarship and meet a lot of young people who had really similar interests and and goals as I did. So that was a that was a really influential occurrence for me because it taught me both how how pivotal 
an experience like going to space camp can be and also how out of reach it is for a lot of people and mm. a lot of young people. Um, and so that's something that is, I look back on it and seven years after having gone to space camp, or I guess it's eight now, oh my God, I'm getting old, um, eight years <laughs> after having gone to space camp on a scholarship, I've now been able to facilitate 36 other students going to space camp on full paid scholarships. And that's an incredible thing to look back on. And I hope that I hope that each of those students who has gone and all of the students that we've impacted through our other programs that aren't space camp will be able to, in five or 10 or 20 years, look back and see a legacy that they've left as well and a way that they've helped to change the world and impact the next generation. Um, yeah. Abigail, are, are you optimistic that these opportunities will continue to grow for um, underserved communities and, and um, maybe students who wouldn't be exposed to this kind of thing um, as time goes on and as organizations like yours pop up, or is there still a lot of work to be done? There's absolutely still so much work to be done, um, really in every field, in, in serving underserved communities economically and also, uh, you know, minority community communities. We do a lot of work at the Mars Generation of trying to um, provide role models, especially for young women in STEM. And when you look at those types of fields, there's incredible progress that has been made. But there's still, as, as you put it, a lot of work that needs to be done. But that doesn't mean that I'm, I'm not optimistic. I'm incredibly optimistic that this type of opportunity will continue to increase in the future. And that's because I look at I look at the millennial generation and I look at Gen Zers who are starting to grow up right now. So so my generation and I see so many people who are passionate about what they're doing, but also passionate about their communities and who recognize that none of us, none of us can make it on our own, that mm -hmm. we're not out there pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps or doing anything else like that. We're all building off of each other's work and we all require support. And I think that because so many people are having that attitude now, they're doing more to, to reach out to those around them and to, to try and say, what can I do to help? How mm -hmm. can I improve my community and my world? And so I think that as we continue to have generations that have more awareness of that, and there are plenty of reasons why that awareness is happening. I think a big one is that the internet and social media and technology allows us to see other walks of life and to be more connected with people that we otherwise wouldn't have had opportunities to, to know. But as those things increase and we continue to have generations that are growing up with this interconnectedness, I can only hope that that will continue to mm. um, help us encourage encourage each other to provide opportunities. Now, Abigail, you correct me if I'm wrong. You say you're going to be one of the first Mars astronauts, right? I definitely have a goal to be one of the first people to walk on Mars. You think that's happening in, in your lifetime? Absolutely. I think that it's something that is an it's a necessary step in space exploration right now. It's something that we need to do if we want to continue to pursue space exploration. Because when we look at when we look at the reasons why we we explore space, 
there there are a couple reasons. One of them is a, a curiosity, a need to explore, a need to know what's out there and to further our understanding of the universe. And in order to do that, we need to continue to keep poking our heads around the corner, to keep looking over the next hill, to keep asking what is the next mystery or the next challenge that we can undertake. And Mars really is that next achievable and yet difficult challenge. Another reason that we pursue space exploration is because of the economic stimulus and technological advancement that it provides. And that's a really big reason. But in order to continue to have those positive effects from space exploration, in order to have these things that improve life here on Earth, because of space exploration, we need to be pushing ourselves. We need to be doing things that make us uncomfortable in space. We need to be asking, what is this next challenge that we can do? Because that's how we produce and, and create advanced or, or new types of technology is by having challenges that we need to solve and then solving them. Mm-hmm. And now, that's not to say that the type of exploration we're doing around Earth's orbit or any of that isn't important, but it doesn't challenge us to the same way that something like putting humans on Mars does. And that, that's going to be my next question. Are you, are you discouraged that the current trajectory of space exploration seems to put Mars as a second stop? And now the focus is on lunar exploration first and then going to Mars. I mean, is, that, is that a bit discouraging for someone like you? I would be lying if I said that it wasn't a little bit of a bummer <laughs> because I I do want to see us focus on on Mars and I want to see us really put this this wholehearted effort into accomplishing this goal that lies so close to my own heart and ambitions. But it's also on the flip side it's it's not discouraging to me because as long as we are working hard in space exploration towards something and something that that still challenges us and that people are passionate about and excited about i think that that's that's a win that's a plus going to the moon doesn't harm us in any way it doesn't stop us from continuing to learn new things it's just another step along the road towards getting to Mars. It's another thing that's going to allow us to create better technology and to understand space exploration better. I don't necessarily think it's 100% the right choice, but I don't think it's a bad choice. It's not a bad route to go down with space exploration. And everyone has their own opinions on that. That's mine. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you look at it, what what is everything in space exploration but a step a stepping stone to the next the next thing. The reason one of the reasons we want to go to Mars is because that will teach us how to explore farther than we've ever gone before. It'll teach us how to be more more earth independent and in doing so it opens up the rest of our solar system to us. It allows us to say now that we've gone on a mission to Mars, where else can we go? And so in that same sense, returning back to the moon and really learning how to how to do that it's just a stepping stone towards getting to Mars. Um, it all it all builds on it, each other, and it's just a matter of when we're going to do each of those each of those pieces. Now, the Mars generation is coming up on a deadline for the Space Camp Scholarship. Do you want to tell us a bit about um, what time is left and and what folks can do if they know of a candidate or if they might be a candidate themselves listening to this? Yes, absolutely. So the Mars Generation is accepting applications for our 2019 scholarships to Space Camp uh, up until January 15th. 
there are a couple requirements for this, and you can find all of this necessary information either at the marsgeneration.org, which is our website, or you can find us on pretty much any social media platform as the Mars Generation. And we have, you know, we're, we're spamming the hell out of every, all of our platforms right now to try and get this information to people who need it. Um, so if you are in question about anything I say, go look at those uh, resources. But in essence, you have to live in the continental U.S. You have to be between the ages of 15 and 17. Um, and you have to uh, live at or below the income guidelines for USDA free and reduced lunch. Um, and if you meet those requirements, you're in essence eligible to apply for this scholarship. Um, and I would recommend that everyone who, who is interested in it go take a look mm-hmm. because this is totally cliche, but they say that if you, you, that you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. And I can tell you from the other side, both as someone who's applied for plenty of scholarships and, and other things and now runs a scholarship program, you have a much better shot than you think that you do. And so if you in any way have an interest in, in this program or you know someone who you think would benefit, a, a young person who would benefit from going to space camp, then please check it out. Please go ahead and spread the word to people who you think would be positively impacted. Um, and we just really want to encourage everyone to apply. We've been speaking with Abigail Harrison, otherwise known on social media as Astronaut Abby. Abigail, thanks so much for speaking with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. For more information about the organization and the Space Camp Scholarship application, you can go online to themarsgeneration.org. If you've got questions or ideas for upcoming guests on this show, let me know. Email me at arewetheryet at wmfe.org, or you can hit me up on Twitter. I'm at SpaceBrendan. You can go ahead and add this podcast Twitter as well. It's at A-W-T-Y-Mars. Are we there yet, Mars? Get it? And while you're at it, be sure to rate and review this podcast so more people can explore exploration with us. Support for Are We There Yet comes from our listeners, and our theme music was composed by Kevin McLeod. Stay in touch with more space news online. Visit wmfe.org slash space. And until next time, I'm Brendan Byrne. Thanks for listening.